The reading is from Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 and 6. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Well, good morning, everyone. It's uh, lovely to see you this morning. This morning we are going to think about from God's Word how we can have an authentic prayer life. How can we have an authentic prayer life? Um, We live in a very performative culture today. And what I mean by that is that for many people today, I think how we perform, that is how we're perceived by other people is just as important, sometimes more important, than what we're really like uh, or how we behave when we are on our own. So I think the obvious example here is social media, right? Social media is a performance. We put forward a version of ourselves, a portrayal of ourselves, that we want the rest of the world to see. Uh, We post photos, we make comments, we share articles, and... All of this is actually carefully curated by us to create a version of ourselves, hopefully in our eyes a better version of ourselves, that we can put out to the world that can see us. And so there's a real disconnect often between the online me and the real me. Another obvious example would be in politics. I don't think anybody actually expects that the politician there in front of them uh, on the TV is the same person as the real person behind the cameras. I don't think anybody really believes that anymore, as nice as it would be. No, this is a carefully crafted persona. You have entire teams who devote their working lives to choosing the right words, the right clothing, the right ideas even, so that people will get on board and will vote for them. And we contribute to that. We judge politicians today mainly on how something looks rather than how something actually is. I I find it quite odd, really, because we live in a culture that is quite obsessed with, you know, being me, being true to myself, and yet at the same time it is a deeply deceptive culture, a culture that puts forward so many false and fake versions of ourselves. But I think it's also true that for many of us we crave authenticity. We crave the real thing. We're very good now at spotting a fake, and we long for something real. I think as well that this performative culture can very easily affect and infect our Christian lives as well. Uh, you don't need to think very long, sadly, to think of the revelations that have came, come out quite recently about high-profile Christians 
and accusations of abuse or sexual immorality or bullying. People who appear one way on the outside but are actually living very different lives on the inside. But of course, before we point fingers, how easy is it to see that in our own lives, isn't it? Uh, To put on our Sunday best, uh, to come here and to appear one way, but then in our private lives to actually be living a very different sort of life, a different sort of me. And this is actually one of the real temptations, I think, in Christianity, in being a Christian, is that we put forward this front, this this picture of ourselves that we wish we were, uh, a picture of godliness, a picture of piety, a picture of, of, of loving kindness that we hope everyone would see and assume is what we're really like. But then in private, we're actually a very different person. And in the Sermon on the Mount, which, uh, we're, which we're looking at as we, as we look at prayer this morning, uh, in this section, chapter 6, uh, is really all about authenticity. Because Jesus expects his disciples um, not just to talk the talk, but to walk the walk. He expects his disciples to be the real thing, to be authentic disciples. And this morning in our passage, we're going to focus particularly on the question of prayer. How can I live an authentic prayer life? How can I be the real thing, a genuine disciple of Jesus in my prayer life? Jesus keeps it very simple for us in his uh, teaching. He gives us one don't and one do. That's what we're going to look at this morning. One don't, one do. Uh, please have the, the passage open in front of you. Uh, it will help you. It's on the sheet there. Let's start with the don't. Don't, Jesus says, don't, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. That word hypocrite is quite an interesting word. Uh, It comes from the Greek stage, the ancient Greek theatre. Really, it means an actor, a performer. Uh, And it it really, uh, the word comes from those Greek tragedies when uh, the actor would wear a mask over their face are hiding their true self and having a mask, a different face on the outside. And that's really what the word, uh, where the word comes from. That's what a hypocrite is. Okay, so think of that picture of the, that actor, that performer who has a mask on that's hiding their true self. And Jesus says, don't be like this. Don't wear a mask. And in particular, in this instance, he says, when it comes to prayer, We get this sense, don't we, sometimes, that prayer can be a performance. And of course, like any performance, we perform for an audience. And that's what Jesus says here. That these hypocrites who pray, they pray standing up in the synagogues, on the street corners. Why do they do it? They do it to be seen by others. They want an audience. They want people to look at them. Now, it's important to understand, Jesus is not teaching against public prayer altogether. Okay, We've done a little bit of public prayer already this morning, haven't we? We haven't disobeyed Jesus' command here. 
And we know this because Jesus, in fact, prays in public. In fact, he prays in public for the benefit of others hearing him. So in John 11, he prays to his father and he says, I don't say this because you need to hear this. I say this so that everyone else can hear this. Okay, so, so Jesus himself, he prays in public even for others to hear. Uh, same, t- same thing with the apostles. Uh, all throughout the book of Acts, we see the, the apostles gathering together and they pray in public. And we are encouraged to pray with one another in the Bible as well, aren't we? So we know that Jesus can't be saying it's wrong to ever pray in public. It's also helpful to recognise that there is a difference between public prayer and private prayer. Uh, So I don't usually use the same words that I would use in public prayer that I might use in my private prayer. I think as a minister, I know that my public prayers also have a teaching element to it. And so... None of this, we need to understand, is what Jesus is really concerned about. He's not against public prayer. No, we see in the passage what his real concern is. Have a look at it again. His concern is that people are praying simply to be seen by others. That's the real concern. That your prayer is a performance. That's what Jesus is warning against. And I have to say that as a minister myself, I find myself particularly vulnerable here. I think this is true of anybody who is in public ministry or who has some sort of leadership role here in the church, uh, whether that is um, as a minister or or, or whether you're a Sunday school uh, teacher or whether you lead a home group or any sort of uh, leadership role. I think you are particularly susceptible to this temptation. It's no coincidence that Jesus has on view here the religious leaders of the day, the people who stand in the synagogues. And I think that's because, as people in leadership, we are the ones who often do a lot of the public prayer. But also, people in leadership in the church are expected to behave in a certain way, aren't they? They're sort of put up there on the pedestal, and they're seen as that sort of, you know, more godly, more pious sort of person. And you can feel that pressure, and so you think, well, I... Probably should act that way then, shouldn't I? And so there is that temptation that it becomes a performance. That I'm just doing this so that people will look at me, look at my prayers and think, that Tom, what a godly guy he is. He used some pretty big theological words in that prayer. He must be close to Jesus. And that's the temptation. But of course, it's not just people in leadership. Any Christian can be tempted to do this. I think probably for most of us, Uh, The temptation will be in our home groups. You know, you you gather around together in a group. You're all praying for one another. The temptation is is that actually my prayers that I'm praying, the real reason I'm doing it is just so that everyone else in the group will see me and think, what a nice prayer that was. Aren't they great? The other temptation, I think, sometimes comes when we tell people we've been praying for them. Have you ever done this? And, and, and maybe you have been praying for them. But, uh, you know, somebody's been unwell or something bad has been happening and, and you say to them, you know, I've been praying for you. I've been pray- I did it the other day. I, I, there was a dad uh, at the school uh, that my kids go to and he's come down with COVID. And so I just sent a message to him to say, just, just to let you know, I've been praying for you. Now, is that wrong? No. It's good. It's a good thing to tell people that you're praying for them. It's really encouraging, especially, actually, if somebody is not a Christian like this guy was. It's great for them to know that I'm praying for them because he knows that I've got a relationship with God and that I care about him and that I'm actually asking God to look after him. They're all good things. But there's a temptation there, isn't there? That 
when I tell them that I'm praying for them, actually it's so that I can be seen as someone who prays. Uh, I remember a couple of years back in Australia, there were some really bad bushfires that were going on. And there was a church, uh, not too far from our church, that put up a sign. Uh, And on the sign it said, we are praying for those affected by the bushfire. That's a nice thing, isn't it? It's good. It's good, it's good that the community knows this is a church that prays. It's good that, the, um, it's good that the church is actually praying for the people in the community. None of these things are bad things. But as I looked at the sign, I thought, ah, there's a bit of a temptation there, isn't there? That actually the reason you put that up on the sign is to be seen as people who pray. There's a temptation there that it's not authentic now and that actually this is a performance of Christianity. It's tricky, isn't it? It's, it's not easy to avoid, but I want us to understand how easy it is for us to fall into, to slip into this temptation. Now, before we move on to what we should do, uh, it's worth noting what Jesus says next, because I think it's going to be very helpful for us. Look at what he says. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. I think this is the first step to helping us to stop doing this, to stop praying simply so that we can be seen by others. Jesus has a warning here. They have received their reward in full. Now, the word that Jesus uses for reward here in verse um, 5 is actually different to the word he uses for reward in verse 6. They're different words. I'll come back to what the second word means a little bit later on. But this first word, reward, it has a much more transactional sense Uh, It it usually just means wage, what you're paid for doing a job. And and that's very much how this sort of prayer, a prayer to be seen by others, is kind of portrayed here. It's it's transactional. Okay, I've done my prayer, now you give me my praise. And the point that Jesus makes here is is that they've got everything that they're going to get from the praise of other people. It's a full payout. There's nothing else coming. And I find this a very interesting thing that Jesus has said when you consider what it is that these people are doing. They're praying. Why do we pray? We pray to ask God for things, don't we? We are going to God for something. And yet Jesus is very clear. No, they've got everything that they're going to get. There's nothing more for these people now. They only prayed to be seen by others. They didn't pray to God to seek God. They prayed to seek praise from others. That's all that you're going to get. And I hope this gives us an incentive to seek out an authentic prayer life. When you pray just to be seen by others, you're robbing yourself. You're losing out. You're missing out on something so much better that you gain in an authentic prayer life. So there's our first incentive. Do you want this authentic prayer life? Do you want to stop praying just to be seen by others? Understand that you actually miss out. You've got your reward. All you're going to get is other people thinking, wow, what a good person that is. But you won't get anything else. All right, well, let's move on now to how we can have an authentic prayer life, which is so much better. So much more rewarding. Look at verse 6. What should we do? When you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. 
Then your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. If you're like me and you're feeling sufficiently convicted right now, what's the solution? How can we have an authentic prayer life? And Jesus gives us just such a brilliant answer, such a brilliant tip. Pray in private. It's so simple, isn't it? But so helpful. Now, I think this is where a lot of people get tripped up in this passage because a lot of people think that Jesus is teaching the solution is stop praying in public. Now, notice Jesus never says that here. He doesn't say stop praying in public. He doesn't actually tell us to stop doing anything except being like the hypocrites. He tells us to start doing something. The solution is proactive here. It's not about stopping praying in public. It's about starting to pray in private. That is how you develop an authentic prayer life. It is by creating in your life a regular routine of private prayer. When you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Isn't that interesting what Jesus says there, that God is unseen That's very helpful because this explains why private prayer is so hard. Do you find private prayer hard? Because I find it hard sometimes. Not always, but I do. Do you ever pray in private and feel like, I'm just praying to the wall. I'm just praying to the air. Sometimes it can feel like I'm not praying to anyone. I think that's normal because you can't see God. I don't know about you, but it is much easier to carry on a conversation if I can actually see the person that I'm talking to, can't I? This is why private prayer is so difficult. I can't see God. He is unseen. It's why it can be so hard to be motivated to talk to God. And I think it is why Christians end up living like hypocrites. It's why we pray only to be seen by others. Because functionally, we fall into the trap of believing the only benefit to prayer is that other people will think that I'm good. We actually fall into thinking there is no other benefit to prayer because we can't see God. And so what this verse reveals is that prayer is actually a profound act of faith. It is an act of faith to say, I can't see God, but I know that he's there. And I know that he's listening to me when I pray. I know that God created this world. I know that God sent his son into the world. I know that God has poured his spirit into my heart and he cries out with me in my prayer. I know that God is here and I know that he listens to me. Even though I can't see him right now, I have to trust in his word when he tells me that he is here and that he is listening. Prayer is an act of faith. Private prayer. In fact, I think private prayer is probably the most pure act of faith. It is one of the greatest evidences of faith because it has absolutely no benefit whatsoever if God is not there. Isn't that right? There's no point to pray in private if God's not there. There is some point to pray in public if God's not there because at least other people will think I'm good. But if God's not there, it's pointless. And so I think I think Private prayer is one of the most profound acts of faith. But faith, like a muscle, grows when it is exercised. And so Jesus' advice is start doing private prayer. And the more you pray in private, 
the more you will grow in your faith to the God who is unseen. So, what you should do is you should pray in private. What to pray? We're going to look at that a little bit uh, in a couple of weeks' time, I think, as we continue through the Lord's Prayer. But how should you pray? How should you do private prayer? Well, Jesus' tip here is go into your room. Now, that would have been, in those days, your storeroom, your private chamber, basically a private room. Close the door and pray. In other words, find somewhere where you won't be seen and you won't be interrupted. Now, it doesn't have to be a room in your house. It just needs to be a private place where you won't be interrupted. So let's think for a few minutes practically about where you are going to be doing your private prayer, if you don't do it already. Maybe there is a time or a place uh, during the day in your house where you can get some privacy. Kitchen table early in the morning, maybe the conservatory in the afternoon when you get a little bit of sun. Uh, If, like me, you live in a madhouse and there is no way that you'll have any privacy whatsoever because you've got three little kids running around all the time, uh, going outside the house for private prayer might actually be helpful. Now, you can pray in your head. It doesn't have to be out loud if you want to make sure people around you don't think you've gone insane. Um, but if you can, I think if you can go to a place that's remote enough, it's even better to pray out loud. At least I find that because then I concentrate more. When I pray in my head, I kind of lose track very quickly. So if you can go somewhere remote enough and you can kind of just pray quietly uh, but out loud, I think that's really helpful. So maybe you can go for a walk in the morning. You know, take the dog if you have one. And, uh, you know, we've just heard we're going to clear a, a, a trail uh, for, for Shelford, a path, public path that you can go on. There you go. Once that path is cleared, off you go with your dog and you can pray. Uh, when I was at uni, I used to sit on the same bench every morning on my way in. That's where I did my quiet time and my private prayer. No matter what, didn't matter if I had an assessment due that day, I'd hit the bench and I'd do it. It was great. Maybe it's on your bike or on the train on your way to work. Or if you have your own office, it's the first thing you do when you sit down at your desk before you start your day. The point is, it doesn't matter where you do it, so long as it's a private place where you won't be interrupted. And Jesus says it's the key to having an authentic prayer life. And notice the next incentive he gives. So he gave us a negative incentive before. If you pray just to be seen, that's all you're ever going to get. But now the positive incentive. Notice what he says. Then your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Isn't that interesting? God is unseen, but he sees. You don't see him, but he sees you. And what he, when he sees you, he will reward you. I think that we are very uncomfortable about the idea of God rewarding us. There's something, something about us that makes us feel like there's something wrong. You know, we should just do it anyway without wanting to be rewarded. Maybe, I don't know, maybe it's a British thing of doing your duty, you know. But, but you have this sense in which I don't need to be rewarded. I should just get on and, and do with it. But actually, the Bible is quite big on this idea of reward, of being rewarded. And I think we actually do need to get over our sense of awkwardness about it because understanding that God will reward you is a huge part of the motivation in a Christian life. Rewards are what motivate the hypocrites. 
They are praying for a reward. It's to be seen by others. And so if we want to move away from that, we need to exchange the reward that we're seeking. I don't want a reward from other people. I want a reward from God. Now, what that reward is, we don't know. I think some people have suggested that it's praise from God, which I guess makes sense because what you're seeking is praise from man, and so you're exchanging that for praise from God. But we're not actually told what the reward is. I think, at the very least, what we can say is it's better. So if you think the the reward of other people praising you is good and you really want it, just recognise there's something better that you're missing out on. Okay, God's reward, I guarantee, is better. And he promises that reward. And so this is our motivation. Now, as I said before, the word for reward in this verse is actually a different word uh, to the one in verse 5. And it's an interesting word. It really has the sense of restoring or repaying or returning what is yours, uh, almost meeting an outstanding debt. I think it's very interesting because... The reason I think this word is used is because we have to wait for this reward from God. It's not instantaneous. The hypocrites get their reward straight away, don't they? If I pray in order to be seen, straight away, people love me, people think I'm great, I've got my reward. But if I pray in private, I actually have to wait. There is a day that is yet to come when God rewards me for my prayer in private be a very long time of waiting, a long time of not seeing, but a promise that God has given that one day I will be rewarded for my authentic prayer. There will be that day of restoration, that day of payment when I come before the Lord and I see him and I receive a reward from him for my authentic prayer life. And whatever that reward is, it is immeasurably better than anything that people can give us today. So I'd love to encourage you today, this week, for the rest of your life, if you haven't already, to start practicing an authentic prayer life. And the way to do that is to start praying regularly in private. Let's do that now. Well, let's do public prayer, but let's pray now. Loving Father, we thank you so much for Jesus' wisdom and we thank you that he so clearly sees through us. Father, your word exposes our sinfulness and this morning we do feel exposed in our hypocrisy, in the way that we put on a front. We are sorry for the times when we have prayed simply to be seen by others. But Father, we thank you that in your Son there is forgiveness, there is restoration and renewal by your Spirit. And Father, we pray this morning that you would help us to begin an authentic life of prayer. We pray, Father, for your help to set aside time each day to pray in private where no one else can see us. And we ask for your help in this, in Jesus' name. Amen.